Before we dive in, I just kind of want to do a little survey to kind of maybe make it a little easier to share some news with you. So um, by show of hands, how many of you, if I offered you $12,000 more per year, <laughs> that was quick, if I offered you $1,000 more per month to do the same job you're doing now, but in a different city that you love, how many of you would snatch that and say, yeah, I'm going? Okay, a lot of you. So then, what if I offered 50? And those of you that already chose that, you don't get to choose now. If I offered 50, $50,000 extra, okay? 100? Okay, so, okay, a lot of you. So that, that actually makes it a little easier to share some very hard news with you that um, I've accepted a call at another church in another city for a lot more money. <laughs> no, you know me better than that, so... Some of you were kind of like, oh, but, but here's, here's the question, though. What I want to know is, why is it okay for you, but not for me? <laughs> like, that doesn't seem, it's okay for you, but it's illegal for me, apparently. So what's up with that? Hold that thought, because we're going we're gonna to come back to that in a minute, okay? New direction. One of the reasons that I'm so excited about this teaching series is because, hands down, the question that I get asked as a pastor more than any other question all year, every year, is what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do in this situation? Help me understand what God wants me to do. How do I make a decision in this area of my life, whatever it is, that God will honor and that that's what God wants me to do? I want God to spell it out and tell me what to do in this situation. And, um, you know, we talked about this last week that our choices are so important. Many of you are living a life today, whether good or bad, as a result of choices that you made in your life in the past. Okay? And... What we said last week is the choices that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Okay, and that, that holds true for all of us. In other words, we make our decisions in life, and in another way, our decisions also make us. They just do, and decisions are incredibly important. So last week, I introduced an idea to you, which is incredibly powerful to me, um, that we are living in a generation today that is struggling in a lot of ways to make decisions more than previous generations. And I see it all the time. And I have, from my observation, seen it. I think this is probably true that especially some of the younger generation, but even others of us as well, we struggle with making decisions. And one of the reasons with that we talked about last week is because there's so many more options available today. You know, we talked about how this is the Netflix generation where you can literally push a button and watch any movie, and it's just available to you. Um, you can travel to places that uh, people couldn't travel to in previous generations. There's just so many more choices available to us today. Um, you know, you can pull this thing out, and you used to be a couple of restaurants in town you could choose from. Now you can go on here, and there's an app where any of those will be delivered to your door. You know, hundreds of choices, and there's just so many choices, and it makes deciding things difficult. That was last week. Another reason that it's so difficult for, for many of us to make decisions in life is because of something that's called the illusion of perfection. This is something that didn't used to exist, but it exists very strongly in today's culture. The illusion of perfection. You see, when I was growing up, even when I was growing up, I knew how imperfect my home was. I knew all my imperfect friends and their imperfect families because I had a front row seat to all of it. Front row seat to reality, right? Now what we have with the, with the advent of social media and things like that is we have the illusion of perfection. And so now you have a window that you can look through on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you use, and you look at, through this window into people's lives, but you're not seeing reality. 
you're seeing only the perfect stuff that they throw up there. And so you think, well, she's always working out and he's got a perfect body and she's dating somebody great and their relationship's perfect and their marriage is perfect. And look, every meal she makes is awesome. And I'm just having a Pinterest fail today, you know, or whatever it is for you. And you see a snapshot of all these other people's lives that look so amazing. And so then you think my life's horrible. The illusion of perfection. It's not reality. And, and, you know, we've said this before that what you're doing when you're comparing yourself to others looking through those windows is you're comparing your behind the scenes, which is reality, to just their highlights. They're only putting their highlights up there. And, you know, so, uh, you know, instead of making, what we have today is even in the Christian world as followers of Jesus, we have what we refer to as the perfect will of God. And I just want to find the perfect will of God, and I want to be in the perfect will of God, and I want to make sure that, you know, because I know his will is perfect, and he has a perfect will, and so he must have a perfect will for my life, and so I want to make sure I make all the perfect decisions to make sure I'm on that path. But the problem that I see a lot of people making is because I'm so interested in making that perfect decision, I'm just not going to make a decision. I'm so afraid of making an imperfect decision that I'm just going to stand in the middle of the road and not make a decision, and really that's where we face danger. Indecisiveness is one of the biggest dangers in our, in our world today, and so today I want to talk to you about how do we grow as followers of Jesus? How do we grow as the people of God into making wise decisions? How do we know what God's telling us to do, and how do we make choices in our life that we know that God is instructing us to do? How do we grow? Because it's becoming more and more difficult uh, to decide. Where do I go to college? Should I date this person? Should I get married? Should I buy the house or rent the house? Should I buy the car? Um, should I take a job in another city for $12,000 when I was prepared to offer you 100 but too many of you jumped on it early? How do we know what God wants me to do? And here's the good news. The good news is if you're a follower of Jesus, God will show you exactly what he wants you to do every single time. There will be no doubt in your mind. You will be 100% sure about everything and there will never be any problems or obstacles at all. Except everything I just said is an absolute lie. It's completely untrue. And I've heard people preach that and teach that and act like it's in the Bible. But the truth is, if you interpret the scripture and you look at history and you look at the Bible and, and God's word, the truth is when you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's nothing that says it gets easier. There's nothing that says the obstacles go away. In fact, it actually points to the, the fact that there's probably going to be more challenges and more things that you're going to face. The difference is you have the power of God to face it, and you have his spirit with you, right? So that's the difference. That's the difference. But that's what a lot of people think. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus, so he's going to show me exactly the steps that I need to take in every situation. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a portion of scripture that is just fascinating to me, and this is the Apostle Paul. If there's anybody in all of scripture that we can look at that, man, he should have heard the will of God and had God lay it all out perfectly for him step by step and know what's ahead of him, it's got to be the Apostle Paul because, I mean, he wrote more than half the New Testament. He clearly was listening to God. Um, you know, he had encounters with God in heavenly places. He started churches all over the Mediterranean. Um, he had it going on. So if anybody knows what's coming ahead of him and can give us some insight into how that works, it's got to be Paul. So in this passage, watch, watch how much detail... Paul, Paul has here about what he's supposed to do. 1 Corinthians 16.6. <clears throat> Paul says, for sure, no, that's not what he says. He says, perhaps, perhaps I will stay for three weeks. No, he doesn't say that either. That's too specific. No, he says, perhaps I will stay for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me 
on my journey wherever I go. Basically, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> for I do not want to see you and make only a passing visit, but I know for sure, no, he says, but I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened for me, because nobody ever opposes me, no, because there are many who oppose me. Listen to the phrases in, his, in, his, in this passage. Perhaps, wherever, even, or, for a while, I hope, I'm not sure, if the Lord permits, many will oppose me. Even Paul didn't have a clue exactly what was coming. It wasn't all laid out for him, step by step, detail for detail, where God made every step very clear. Um, he didn't understand all the details, and yet Paul still was a man who served God in a very effective manner. And so I want to understand that. And, and so if you feel a little bit like Paul, take comfort in this. God doesn't always show you the future. And God often doesn't show you all the details that are coming. Man makes plans in his heart, but God directs his steps. Step by step. How do we grow into the will of God and make decisions? Step by step sometimes. You don't always get to have a map of everything laid out. And so um, here's what a lot of you are going to want to know today. We talked last week about who before do, why before what, that really the best way to know God's will is to first become the person that he's called you to be, and then he'll make clear what you're supposed to do. Because so many times we focus on trying to figure out what he wants us to do without becoming the man or woman that he wants us to be in our character, which is more like Jesus, and so then we're not ready to do anything anyway. And so if we can become who he wants us to be, then, then that's how that works. Um, and so, you know, big thought for today. You say, God, show me what to do. Show me what to do. God, if you show me what to do, I'll do it. If you tell me exactly what to do, I will do it every time. Would you just show me the steps to take? And, you know, I think sometimes God says to you, I'm not always going to show you exactly what to do. But here's what I will do. I will give you the wisdom to decide. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the wisdom to decide. Because hear this, God does not always in every situation give you specifically what to do. He doesn't. But he will give you wisdom to decide. God, show me what to do. I'll give you wisdom to decide. I'm going to talk about that. Wisdom to decide. Wisdom to make choices. Wisdom to discern. Okay, wisdom is one of the most important traits that you can pursue from, from, from our Father. It's one of the most important things you can, you can ask for from him. In fact, this is what Solomon did uh, in the Old Testament. Quick lesson, if you're, not, um, if you're not a church person or you didn't grow up in church, Solomon was to, he was a king, and he was to make an offering, a burnt offering of one animal to the Lord, and he wanted to do it very extravagantly. And so instead of one, he offered up 1,000 bulls in 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord because he wanted to give this extravagant act of worship to God. And so God says to him, as a result of that, Solomon, you tell me whatever you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Anything you want. How many would like to hear that from God? <laughs> he says to Solomon, give, ask, ask whatever you want from me, and I'm going to give it to you. And here's what Solomon did not ask for. He did not ask for God to make him rich. He did not ask for God to give him power. He did not ask for God to take down all his enemies. Instead, he said, God, I want to be a good king. So give me wisdom. I want wisdom to know the decisions to make and how to live my life so that it honors you and pleases you. 
And then God's response to him is, okay, because you didn't ask for any of that stuff, I'm going to give you all that stuff plus the wisdom. That's what, yeah, that's what he said. And so he gives him all of it, and, and, he, and he gets the wisdom. And so that's why this is what Solomon said, which is very direct. In Proverbs 4, 7, he says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. It's the wisest thing. You, you, you know what the wisest thing you can do is? Get wisdom. That's it. And then he says, it's kind of funny, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. In other words, this whatever part isn't even that big a deal. Well, I want to know exactly what job I'm supposed to take, God. I, I want to know what to major in, what career, who to date, all this. It doesn't matter as much. What matters is you have the wisdom and the good judgment in whatever you do. That's, that's kind of like what we talked about last week. It doesn't matter as much what you do. It matters who you are while you're doing it right here, right now. And so that's what Solomon's saying here. Get wisdom and develop good judgment, whatever you're doing. And you know, for those of you who've lived long enough, by the time you're 18, if you're lucky, 25, if you're kind of smart, um, most of us in our 30s, and unfortunately, some of us in our 40s, get to this point where we make this statement, and we've all made it. I wish I knew back then what I know now. Why do we say that? Because we've got wisdom now. We have more, at least more than we had back then, you know, and so you say, well, man, I wish that I could do high school over again with what I know now. I sure don't, but, but if I did, it would go better because of what I know now, because I have more wisdom. I have more wisdom, and so, you know, we say, God, I want wisdom. Wisdom above anything else is more valuable than gold, Solomon says. Get wisdom. God, I want your direction. Well, I'll give you wisdom. How about that? God will not always show you exactly what to do, but he will give you wisdom to decide. That's what this is about today. So I'm going to give you three simple thoughts, and they should be easy to remember, and that'll kind of help you walk in the direction of his will, okay? The direction to wisdom. So the first thing is this, just simple words. The first thing is we need to walk. Walk, just walk. And I'm going to explain that. Before I explain it, this is something that very few people, in my observations, actually do. And if people would do this one thing, it would completely change their lives. And many of you, when you walk out of here today, need to take some steps to make this happen because it's not happening, and that's part of the problem. So let me explain. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the who? Wise. And what happens when you walk with the wise? You become wise. And then the scripture says, for a companion of fools does what? Suffers harm. You walk with the wise and you become wise. A companion of fools, though, suffers harm. For example, um, any time that you see three men in the back of a pickup truck, it's not going to end well. In the history of the world, it's never ended well. And it usually is prefaced by the phrase, hey, check this out. And it never ends well. Some, when you're with the wrong people, the wrong things are going to happen. And oftentimes, when the wrong things are happening in, in your life, and I'm not saying every time, some things are beyond our control, right? We all agree with that. But for the most part, almost everybody I sit down with as a pastor, like 90% of the time, it can almost always be traced back to spending too much time with the wrong people. Walk with the wise and become wise. For example, I bumped into a really cool guy last week at Winco when I was buying some groceries. And he, he goes to the church, but I had never met him because he just started coming about a month ago. And so we finally got to meet, and he was a really great guy. And he said, hey, Pastor Jared, I just wanted to let you know that 
um, a couple weeks ago, I, I decided to follow Jesus at Rise. And um, I said, congratulations, that's so exciting, how's it going, what's going on in your life? And he said, man, I'm trying to be faithful, and I'm trying to, to follow Jesus and break through my addictions, and it's just hard. It's very hard, I'm struggling with it, I'm, I'm challenge, challenged by it, I say one thing and do another, and, and it's, it's just, it's very hard for me. And so we got to talking for a few minutes, and, and eventually I said, hey, do you mind if I ask you a question, and just, just answer honestly, and he said, yeah. So I said, of your closest friends... How many of them are following Jesus and breaking through their stuff? And he thought about it for a second, and he said, none of them. None of them are following Jesus, and they're all falling into addiction and not breaking it. And I said, ding, ding, ding. That's the problem. That's the problem. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And um, it's almost, you know, I, I've said this before. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Not show me everybody you talk to or spend time with or this or that, but show me your close friends. Show me the ones that invest in you. Show me the ones that you spend the most time with, that you're intimate with, and I will show you your future. It's largely based on that. Who we are today is largely based on the result of who we spend the most time with. And um, walk with the wise and become wise. And I love this imagery because we're told to walk with them. It doesn't say talk with them. It doesn't say ask them for some advice once in a while. It says walk with them. In other words, do life with them. Spend time with them. We're getting ready to launch a whole bunch of new small groups here at Rise. And the purpose of those, by the way, it's not just to sit around and study the Bible, although that's good. It's not just to get together and pray, although that's good. Without this other component, it's useless. It's doing life together. That's why we're not going to call them small groups. We're going to call them life groups because that's what they're about. It's about doing life with each other and walking with people and having people around you that are on the same mission. They have the same goals. Some of them are wiser than you, and you're walking with them. And, you know, every time that we do, do these groups, people say, man, I grew so much more in those groups than I do on Sunday morning, and I'm okay with that. That's how life works. You're not walking with people, you're not growing. And, and so that's, that's an important, and you know, we're so passionate about this. At, at, we do this all the way down to our students. High school groups, junior high groups, they meet on Thursday evenings here on site, and they are paired up with leaders who have been hand-selected and developed, and these are wise men and women, to walk with those students. They walk together and they grow. We see them grow so much. And, you know, I, I would even argue that from, from, teenagers all the way up to adults, if all we do as followers of Christ is plug into church, a church service twice a month, we're not really going to grow because we're not walking with people. We're not walking. You can sit on the computer at home and listen to uh, an amazing sermon and hear great worship music without getting off your rear, <laughs> you know? But when you plug in with the people, when you walk with the wise, that's when you start to grow. And, you know, I remember early in my life when I was becoming a follower of Jesus and the times in my life that I grew the least in my walk with God were the times when my closest friends were the weakest people. I chose the wrong close friends. Now, let me throw out a disclaimer here because sometimes people hear this wrong. I am not saying do not spend time with people who are not as wise as you. I am not saying do not minister to and invest in people who are falling away and missing the mark and making big mistakes in their life. We're called to minister to those people and spend time with them just like Jesus. 
I'm saying the close friends, the ones that invest in you and speak into your life and that you spend the most time with, time and time again, they need to be wiser than you, and that's how you're going to grow. Um, early in my life, it was my college years, I decided that there were three areas that I wanted to really be strong in in the future. And one of those was I wanted to be really strong spiritually. I wanted to be a strong man of God one day because I wasn't then at all. Um, I wanted to be a good husband and father if I ever had the opportunity to do that, which I did. And then I also, and this sounds a little less important, but it was important to me. I wanted to not feel like I was always stressed and in chains when it came to finances because I had seen that and I had seen how such a huge percentage of everybody I knew was constantly struggling with this thing called money. And I didn't desire to be rich or anything. I just didn't want to be stressed by it all the time because I saw it prevent people from doing and being what they wanted to be. And so what I did was I decided to connect with some people, and I knew that the wise walk with the wise. And so I looked at the people around me, those closest to me, my close friends, and I realized that I was walking with people who were weak, people who were broken, and people who were broke. <laughs> and so I wasn't growing in any of those areas. And so I recognized to really grow in wisdom, I needed to surround myself with people that were wiser than me in these different areas of my life. So I sought out people in those areas. One guy, he wasn't rich or anything, but I noticed that he wasn't stressed by money, ever. And so I sat with him and I asked him to invest in me and I, can I ask you questions and would you teach me this and would you teach me that and show me some principles that I can apply. And one of the first things he said to me was, well, first you have to be willing to live beneath your means. So e whether you make this or whether you make this, you've got to live below it, and that's the first key. And, you know, it sounds so simple, but the problem is 95% of America doesn't do that. We have a negative savings rate in America, which means 90-something uh, percent of us spend more than we bring in, which is why we're always in chains and in bondage. And so years later... I'm just being transparent with you, not because I've ever made a big amount of money, not because I ever won the lottery, not because I ever inherited anything, but because I applied some simple, wise principles that this guy taught me, my wife and I don't feel like we're in chains. We feel like we do live beneath our means, and we don't feel like we're in bondage, um, and it doesn't stress us out anymore. Again, not because we're wealthy, because we're not, but because I walked with someone who was wise and applied the wisdom he gave me. Um, I wanted to have a great marriage and be a great dad. So there were men in my life that I surrounded myself with who I saw and I thought, these are great husbands and great fathers. I want to learn from their wisdom. I want them to invest in me. I would go to their house for dinner. I ate their spaghetti every night. You know, I was the third wheel. Teach me. I want to spend time with you. Um, and I learned a lot. And when I married Amy, one of those guys was there as she walked down the aisle over my shoulder saying, you did it. This is what we talked about. Good job. And then some of the strongest men of God I know, I said, would you meet with me? Would you invest in me? Would you teach me? And they led me through this, and they led me through that, and, and they explained stuff from the Bible to me. And, and if you want to make better decisions, the closest people to you need to be better people. That's how it works. And, and I'm serious. Some of you, this is really what you need to hear. This is so important. It's so scriptural. You want God's direction? Hang out more with God's people. You want God's wise direction, his wisest direction? Hang out with God's wisest people. Spend more time together. Walk with them. Again, doesn't mean you're not ministering to people who are far away from God. We all need to do that. But it means you're walking with people who are wise and who are two steps ahead of you because they're going to pull you with them and you're going to grow in wisdom. Okay, that's number one. The second thing is this. 
And it sounds very simple, but it's true. We're going to ask. You want wisdom to make decisions? You need to ask for it. Ask for it. There's a promise and a prayer that God will always answer, and it has to do with wisdom. Every time you ask God for wisdom, he hears your prayer, and his answer is yes. And I'm going to show you that promise. It's in James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? Ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, it will be given to you. Not it might, it will be. So ask for it. You ask God for wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom. And you know, this sounds so simple, and I know some of you are thinking, well, it's not that simple. I mean, I, I feel like if I asked him for wisdom, I wouldn't immediately be more wise. But here's the problem. Some of us say we ask for wisdom, but we really don't. Kind of like how some of us say, oh, I'm praying for you, and then we don't. <laughs> you know you don't. It's the same thing. Have you really sat down and asked him for wisdom? Have you really done it? For example, and, and young people in the room who are grown, you, or who are almost grown, you need to listen to this because God's going to speak to you in this moment. Um, what's funny is parents, you can relate if your kids are grown. I've observed this. When kids, when you start off with kids, you know, in their early years, they think they're, that you're their hero. They think you're smart, you know everything. You're, you're just the everything to them. And then, a few years later, what happens with kids, I've noticed, is they now think that their parents are stupid idiots. <laughs> it's usually around adolescence, and, and now the kids know everything and the parents know nothing. And so the geniuses have somehow lost all their brain cells by this point, by the kid's perspective. But then if you, keep, if you keep watching, at least in a healthy situation, as the kids get a little older, now all of a sudden there's this season where, you know what? My parents are a little smarter than I thought. I need to listen to some of what they say, but I still know a lot. And then when you get to my age, eventually you really mature and you realize they were right all along. I should have listened to them the whole time, and I wish I did. Okay? So that's a tip for you young people, okay? You're going to get there. Here's a tip for the parents, and I'm not speaking to this from experience because I don't have grown children. My kids are not grown yet, but they will be someday. And so, again, I'm walking with the wise ahead of time. I'm trying to gain some wisdom for when my kids are grown. And this is what I've been told by multiple parents that I really respect, and what I've observed works really well. Parents, I hesitate to share this, because, <laughs> but I still think it's true because it's what I've observed. So... I think that your goal when your kids are grown and adults needs to be to be low-maintenance parents. Okay? You need to be low-maintenance parents. Um, and when your kids get married, I think you need to be low-maintenance in-laws. And that's what I'm going to strive to be when my kids get there. And some of the kids are like in their head, yeah, preach it, pastor. Amen. But they're not going to say it because she's here and she'll kill you. <laughs> so here's the point, though. As a parent... You have a lot of opinions, and they're probably very wise. But if you just force them down a, a, a grown child's throat, what I've seen is they don't typically get received very well. But then there comes this moment, and it comes almost every time, where they come to you and ask. They come to you and ask for your advice. They ask for wisdom. And when that happens, you let out every bit of wisdom you have and then some. And it's going to be received, and they're going to apply it and and. And the point is, when you ask God, who is our Father, who loves us, and we think we're grown, but we're not, when we ask Him, 
He loves to share wisdom with us as our Father. We're His children. He loves to share wisdom with us. But you have to ask. And here's the other part. You can't ask Him if you don't know Him. And you can't know Him if you don't spend time with Him. And some of us claim to know Him intimately, but we never spend time with Him. It's the same with those around us. You don't really know somebody if you don't spend time with Him. And so you need to spend time with Him before you ask for that wisdom. And then, trust me, He's going to give it to you. Every time, He's going to give it to you. I promise you. There's, there's a lot of ways, by the way, you can get wisdom from God. You can open his word. His word is full of his wisdom. This is his primary way of speaking to us. Why do we not open it every day? <laughs> if this is the best way to hear from God. It's his instructions. It's his commands. It's, it's wisdom for living. Does it have every detail for every question you have? No, it doesn't. I'm not going to lie and tell you that. But does it have massive amounts of wisdom that you can glean from and grow from and live a better life? Absolutely. And yet we don't read it. We don't spend enough time in it getting to know him and getting to know his word. You can get it every single day from that. You can get wisdom from God every day from other believers that you know that are wise that you're walking with. You can get it from learning to discern the voice of God and hearing from the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, he is the good shepherd who guides the sheep. And I love this. He guides he guides. That means our job's to follow. He's the ultimate guide. When we walk with him, he leads us to where he wants us to go. But you have to spend time with him, and when you do, he'll give you wisdom for living and a direction to go. And sometimes it's like, give me wisdom, spend time with me. Give me wisdom, walk with the wise. Give me wisdom, open my word and you'll get some. <laughs> sometimes there's some steps we need to take before we can get that wisdom. When you ask God, he loves to share wisdom with his children. He loves it. Psalm 32, 8. It tells us this about the Lord. He'll give you wisdom. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. I'll guide you. I'll advise you. I'll watch over you. Hear what he says there. That's a promise. That's a promise from God if you'll take it. God, tell me what to do. I may not tell you exactly what to do in this particular situation. But I'll guide you, and I'll advise you, and I'll watch over you. Okay? It's kind of like when you're teaching, how many have taught their kid to ride a bike? Okay, so it's kind of like, you know, you have to let go <laughs> eventually. And, okay, pedal hard, pedal hard, son, you got it. What if I fall? It's okay, I'll catch you. You know, what if I, well, you might make a mistake. It's okay, go. And, th- and then you guide them on the way to go. You advise them as they're doing it. You coach them, you guide them, you give them the wisdom, but then they have to go do it and make a decision. They have to decide how they're going to do it. And, and, you know, some of us are, we get so scared by two words. What if? What if? I'm not going to make a decision because what if? I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to choose the wrong one because what if, you know, I, Here's a third one, and this one's really important. It's simply this. Decide. Sometimes you just need to decide. Sometimes you just need to make a choice. Walk, ask, decide. It's like the original Karate Kid movie. How many like that movie? The, the classic one, not the new one. The new one's cool too, but I love the old one. I love me some classic wisdom from Mr. Miyagi. And I'm not even going to attempt to do it in his accent because that would be embarrassing for all of us. But here, here's something he said that I'll never forget in the first movie. He said, he said, Daniel, son, he said, walk on road. Walk on right side of road, safe. Walk on left side of road, safe. 
walk down middle of road, you get crushed like grape. <laughs> and that's so profound. There's so much wisdom in that. Some of you are not old enough to know about that classic Miyagi, but it's really good advice. And so what I want to say to you guys who I love so much is don't be so afraid of making a mistake that you never make any decisions. And sometimes you need to simply decide. I'm going to walk on this side. I'm going to walk on this side. When you're walking down the middle of the road, sometimes it's the most dangerous place. It's indecisiveness. You're not making any decisions on anything. So here's the question. How do I know if this is God? Because I feel like I'm supposed to make this choice in this area, but how do I know if it's God? Is this an open door from God, or is it the devil opening a door? Is this a door where God's going to usher me through, or is it a door the devil opened where I'm going to fall down a mine shaft and break my neck? You know, wh who opened this door? Is this desire I have from God, or is it my desire? Is this something that's true, or is it a lie? And listen, here, here's how I look at it. If Scripture doesn't give you clear direction, okay, because Scripture makes some things very clear. There's some things that the Bible makes clear you're always to do. There's other places the Bible makes it very clear you're never to do this, right? But there's other places where it's not actually black and white, cut and dry. It doesn't tell you exactly what to do detail for detail in every situation of your life. It doesn't do that. And so anywhere where there's not a clear, moral, God's word speaks black and white, what does God do in those situations? He gives you wisdom to decide. So then just decide. Show me what to do. God could have programmed you to do exactly what he wanted you to do, but then you wouldn't have had the freedom to choose to love him. And, and what would this world be about if we didn't have the freedom to choose? You know, because if he created all of us and forced us to choose to serve him and love him, that's a dictator, not a loving God. Who wants to follow a dictator? Because he gave me the freedom to choose him, I choose him day after day after day. Otherwise, we'd just be a bunch of robots walking around and there would be no purpose. And, you know, unfortunately, because he gave you the freedom to choose him, he also gave you the freedom not to choose him. And he gave you that choice. And it's tragic that so many people don't choose that. But he gives us that choice. And so you choose him or you choose something else. And there's so many different areas of our life where people start to freak out about which way God wants them to go because we want to make the perfect decision and not make the wrong one. And I think sometimes in those situations, God just says, would you just decide? <laughs> because some of those things, I'm okay with either way. I, I don't think God always cares if you want to be an accountant or a teacher. I just think that he cares if when you're a teacher, you be a teacher that honors him with your life or you be an accountant that honors him with your life. And I think what you choose in those little areas of your life, I think that you just need to honor him in those areas and right there, right now, serve him and be the person that you're supposed to be. Who am I supposed to date? How about be the person worth dating first and then figure out who to date? That's the, that's the right order. God says decide. Make the call. What if I make a mistake? Make the call. Sometimes he says you're free to make the call. I trust you. Go ahead. I've given you wisdom. Make a decision. I love to look at the Apostle Paul, and, and, and here's, here's one more thing he said. He's seeking direction from God, and, and this is what he did not say. He did not say, the Lord spoketh unto me and said, Paul, this is exactly what thou shalt do. That's not what he says. This is what he said. 1 Thessalonians 3.1. Paul said, so 
when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We thought about it, we considered it, and we just decided it was best to stay here for a little while. He didn't get this clear direction from God. God didn't say, I want you to stay in Athens, and that's how he decided. He said, we thought about it, and we just decided it would be best to stay here. They made a decision. He, he gave them wisdom to make that decision, but he didn't tell them exactly what to do. And there are times in life where you simply have to make a decision. I'm going to tell you right now, as a pastor, all the time, sometimes there's decisions that I have to make that are really cut and dry. He makes it very vividly clear to me exactly what to do, step by step. But there's other times where I just have to decide. And I have to use the wisdom he's given me and the wisdom in his word and the wisdom of those around me to make the decision. Because he's not going to say, do this, do that every time. And so use the wisdom. Well, what if I make the wrong decision? Guess what? When you make a mistake, what do you get if you learn from it? Wisdom. You get wisdom when you make a mistake. You might also get an extra bill in the mail. <laughs> you might get an extra semester at school. <laughs> you might get an extra kid. But, but you'll also get some wisdom. <laughs> okay? You'll also get some wisdom. So God guides you, he coaches you, he advises you, and he gives you wisdom to decide. I asked you early on whether you would move out of town to another place for more money, and a lot of you said yes, and I want to I step into this other moment for a minute and just warn you and caution you, because I have seen this more times than I can count, where somebody makes a decision in their life, a big decision, solely based on money and it backfires. So here's what I want to say, just a little nugget of wisdom for you to walk out with, okay, some wisdom in this area of your life. Never use money as the sole indicator of whether or not you should make a decision. It is an indicator, okay? Money matters, it's important, it's, it's one piece of the puzzle when you're making a choice, but don't ever choose a career solely because of money and that's the only reason. Do not ever move out of state solely because of a job that has more money. Don't make that the only reason. Because what I've seen happen, and it's not every time, but what I've seen happen once in a while with people is your kids are thriving, everything's going really well, you move out of state, and then all of a sudden you can't find a church, you're having trouble connecting with friends, <coughs> I've seen the kids go downhill. Sometimes you pull out of a situation that is just so beautifully set up for money, and it backfires. So again, it's an indicator of making decisions, I'm saying that, but don't ever make it the only decision. Go back to when I, I had just finished college and I was working in a job that was my dream job from when I was a child. It was the job I always dreamed of doing and I was making pretty decent money at it. And then I felt like God was leading me to become a pastor. And so, you know, back then, churches were not hiring pastors that didn't have years of experience at it and I had none. And so I, I, I waited and I kept working and then Eventually, one of my pastors from back here at home called me and said, you know, I believe in you. I see something in you. Um, why don't you come back here to Visalia and build a youth ministry at our church, among some other things, and I can pay you $500 a month. That's $6,000 a year, guys. And so I had, to, I had to think hard about that because I felt like it was a decision I needed to make, but man, it was hard to make it based on that. And so the first thing I did was I asked some of the people closest to me who were very unwise and immature, and the responses I got were, no, man, don't throw your life away. 
that's ridiculous. You're doing something you love. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is what, what, you know, we love what you're doing down here in Los Angeles. There's potential here. Keep going. Keep doing it. Don't throw it away for no money. And then I talked to some of the wise people in my life that I was walking with. And one of them said, why are we even talking about this? You got to go. You're built for that. Another one started crying almost, and he said, I knew God would open a door for you. <laughs> 500 a month. Didn't feel like a door. <laughs> but, felt like a pinhole. But, but I made the decision based on wisdom, and here we are today. And... And I appreciate that, but you're missing the point. <laughs> because then there were other decisions, and I made some of them right, and I made some of them wrong, and I made some of them really wrong. And, you know, I got some wisdom. I got off track, walked toward the middle of the road. God picked me up, put me back on the right road. And, you know, there's no way that we're ever going to foresee every detailed step that we're going to take in the future. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All we can do is faithfully be faithful in the next step and then the next one and then the next one and be faithful and don't freak out about every choice get to know Jesus better get to know him walk with the wise learn his voice learn the voice of others surround yourself with people who are pleasing Jesus and walk with them ask for wisdom actually do it he generally gives it to all and make a decision what if I mess up make a decision he will guide you, he will advise you, and he will watch over you. Oh, uh, you did mess up. Come back over here <laughs> and get some wisdom. So how do you get God's perfect will? Serve him as perfectly as you can in this very moment, in this very time, in this very place. Don't wait for the future. Serve him now, and you'll come more into his will. God, help me be who you want me to be. God, help me to become more like Jesus then I'll be able to do what you've called me to do. Help me to start there with who I am inside and help me to do it the right way and then you'll lead me in the right ways. And I just thank Jesus that he's the right shepherd that guides the sheep. And I want him to guide me. And wherever you guide me, I will follow you step by step. So Father, we just ask in this moment that you will guide us. God, that you will help us. God, give us a new kind of direction. And, and I know there are many people in the room who have big decisions to make. Some have small decisions to make, but they're struggling to make the choices. And so, God, first, I just want to pray that where your word is clear, may we obey. And may we not wait to obey. May we obey immediately, right away, when we know what your word says. Because we know that you honor that and bless that. And God, in those other areas where it's more difficult to make a decision, we ask that you would just give us the wisdom to decide. God, give us the courage just to know that we are walking with you and we're empowered by your spirit and, and give us the courage to decide and the faith to trust you. And as you continue praying today, I, I'm just curious real quick, how many of you would say, like Solomon, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and today I'm going to ask God for wisdom. Many of you. Okay. Put your hands down. If that's true, 
then I'm really glad to know that from this day forward, you're going to be, first of all, walking with the wise, because that's one of the ways he gives you wisdom, that you're going to ask for that wisdom regularly, but not just ask for it, like you're asking for it from a stranger, but that you're going to get to know him personally. So, Father, I ask that as we do these very simple things, that you would impart divine wisdom to us. God, first give us the wisdom to be the people that you want us to be, and then we'll be able to do what you call us to do, secondary. God, give us the wisdom to get the right reasons and the right why behind what we do, and then we trust that you'll lead us in the right way. And God, give us, give us the eyes to know your truth when we see it. And God, again, when, when there is a moral directive from your word that you make very clear, would you give us the wisdom to make that decision and obey? And when there is not, would you give us the wisdom to decide and the courage to make a choice to follow you in faith because if everything was laid out 100% clear, that really wouldn't take any faith, would it? And sometimes the definition of faith is walking in the unseen. And it's walking forward in what God calls you to do and who he calls you to be, regardless of uncertainty. <laughs>